Hi, and welcome back to season three of In Our Experience, a podcast exploring the many ways of living well with Nourish Yoga training. I'm your host, Harriet, yoga teacher and founder of Nourish. Today, I'm joined by Katie Gordon. Katie is a coach, yoga teacher, founder of Everybody Studio here in Oxford, and a parent. She has previously worked as an associate literary agent and a fiction editor in the publishing industry. She brings a corporate background to her work in creating new business models for the yoga and wellness industries. I had a fabulous time chatting with Katie, um, as I do whenever we catch up. We talked about the joys of reading, um, our shared love of Married at First Sight Australia, cultivating a welcoming space and making friends with procrastination. I'm really excited to share this first episode of season three with you and as always would love to hear what you think. So do pop us a message. You can find how to contact us in the show notes. Right. Here's my chat with Katie. Hi, Katie. Welcome to In Our Experience. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. I'm very excited that you're our first guest of season three. And we're going to get started with the question that I ask every guest, which is what's nourishing you this week. And I will I will help you off and I will get us started. Um, so my nourishing thing this week is that recently I've been getting back into reading, which I know is something that we share. Like, what have I never not reading? When did you get out of reading? Well, more like I had a, a month or so where I just couldn't settle with a book. Like I could maybe do a few pages and then I couldn't get into it. But the past few weeks, I sort of find my way back into it. And now I'm sort of more in the zone. Okay. I also find sometimes if I've picked a book to read that I've like, I'm experiencing some some, some resistance around, then I often will like forget to read it because I don't really want to read it. Well, then maybe you should just not read it if you don't want I to. I <laughs> but I, I think in my life there are like maybe less than a handful of books that I've started and not finished. Yeah, I'm like that as well. Yeah, I'm like, no. Because also sometimes those books where you experience like, ugh, like frustration with at the beginning, you get to the end and you're like, oh, that was worth it. Sure, yeah. I mean, what's the book? Is there a specific? Um, I can't remember the one I was fiddling around with now but at the moment I'm reading The Searcher by Tana French which is really enjoyable it's like a thriller set in the Irish countryside okay um but yeah I can't remember the one that I was frustrated with but literally can't remember but I also read Down and Out in Paris and London which I really enjoyed okay yeah that's good that that was the one that got me back in George Orwell will do it every time (laughs) um so what about you what's nourishing you um so I'm in the middle of a week off work um, in the sunshine um, and I went to visit a friend, went to the seaside and now I think I'm going to spend the rest of the week in the garden with a book um, and actually I'm reading a thriller as well which I don't normally no, read. Me neither. No, hmm. I'm reading Girl, is it Girl A I think it's called? Ooh. I've heard of this, but I've not read it. What's it about? I So I ran out of book in the train station and went to WH Smith uh, and just like made a random classic. choice. Um, and, it, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is. It's, it is quite good. It's a page turner and that, I'm enjoying that. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I think books, sunshine, and I've also been eating quite a lot of nice food. I went out to lunch mm. which I never normally get to do because I have 
a toddler. So I spent an afternoon in the pub, which was just like glorious. Oh. Yeah. Boozing and eating. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> um, we'll link to both of those books in the show notes. The other thing that I'm reading at the moment, which I will lend to you after I'm done with it, because okay. it's just sensational, is The Right to Sex by Amiya Srinivasan. Oh, okay. I've heard of that one. Yeah. yeah. It's, so she's actually, she's in Oxford. I sometimes see her walking past my <laughs> boat. That's random. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I'm like resisting the urge to like call out to book. her. I love your book. <laughs> actually, I've seen a whole bunch of like famous people walk past my boat. I've also seen Tim Minchin and Richard Dawkins. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. I don't know if I'd recognise Richard Dawkins and like, because he just he looks, just looks quite like an Oxford, old, doesn't he? He just looks like an old white man. Right. Yeah. Okay. I've seen him in Jericho quite a bit as well. I think he lives nearby. But anyway. Oh. Top celeb spot, so. I'm not stalking you, Richard Dawkins. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, yeah, The Right to Sex, it's... It's it's sensational. Okay. It's really good. I have one for you as well, which is possibly the best fiction book I've read for a couple of years. <sighs> and I'm going to forget what it's called and the author's name, but I think it's called Here Again Now or something like that. Oh. It's an author that um, I didn't know and I picked it up and it's kind of about all those big things like love and grief and um, oh. death. Great. my favorite topics and it's oh. just it's brilliant so I'll lend that to you as well please thank you I remember what the author's called as well I almost exclusively read like sad books yeah I mean that's what books are for I agreed think. what's the point agreed. in reading one of my one of my graduates one of my old trainees she's a English literature professor and she was like I read things to feel and I was like I feel the same way so she was like you know, you want you want to read the sad stuff. You want to read, like, the stuff that makes you emote. Yeah, I mean, part of reading is, like, to discover other people's stories and other people's lives, and um, I think it helps develop empathy. Mm. I think there's even some research on that. But, um, but also to, like, find stuff that reflects your experience as well mm. and, like, feel seen in a book, I think. Mm. So both those things, I think, are really, like... Wonderful. Yeah, I could read all day. But I do also have phases of like not being able to read a book and only being able to watch TV. Mm -hmm. And then I pick up a book and I'm like, oh yeah, this is good. Yeah, I forgot this is fun. Me too. Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) Um, Do you have like a go-to like TV show for when you need to switch off your brain? Uh, Yeah, I have. That you'll publicly admit to. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm thinking. Do I admit to this? So I, yeah, reality TV is one of my go-tos. And like, I really am enjoying Married at First Sight. Oh my gosh, I'm so Um, pleased. I need the Australian version. Yes, the Australian one's for some reason, yeah. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Yeah. People take the piss out of me for loving Married at First Sight. And I'm like, no, it's trash. The people are trash. It's trash. It's just magnificent. I think there's stuff about reality TV as well that is kind of deeper than you might. Like you really Mm. see people like go through their own psyche, like what's happening to them, how they react to being challenged, like particularly in maths. Did you see last night's? Was it last night? Yeah. Yeah, which I think I'm I'm slightly um, ahead because I watch it through. Oh. I know. What what episode are you up to? So I watched the one where, oh, I can't remember what his name is, that's married to the really beautiful brunette... He's really pretty. 
has have you had without too many spoilers for people that haven't watched it? Have you had the wine glass incident yet? No. Oh, okay. I'm ahead of you. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, you could see really well how he responded to being challenged, mm. and and then also how he she said something about how she didn't feel um, desired or wanted, and he was like, turn that into being a, about him, whereas she was just expressing. Oh, how yeah. she felt yeah so yeah i think there's deeper levels to yeah. it as well. i mean you know. is it um oh, i'm gonna try to remember their names now they look like they should be in some sort of magazine but they all look like they should be yeah, in some but like, sort of magazine even more so he's not american is he no N- that guy let's not even start on that guy no, no. <laughs> terrible um is it jack and dominica no no Oh, Ella and Mitch. Yes, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, I love them. I'm obsessed yeah. with her. But he, I just, he, yeah. Oh, he, no, he's a child. He needs some therapy, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. they all do, which is why they're on the <laughs> show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I am, so I watch, I, I'm ahead, so I'm in the final weeks. Like, I'm up to final dates. Oh, uh, uh, okay, so. Yeah, I'm in the future. Yeah. What are you watching this through? Mm, secret, secret. Secret. Mm, okay. It's so good though. And like, I can't wait for people to catch up to where I am because there is shit I need to talk about. Yeah. I'm imagining there might be some interesting developments. Like in unexpected ways. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Like it's so unreal reality TV show, yeah. which I really appreciate. Mm, wonderful. Well, let's go back to the topic of head. <laughs> After that long segue through yeah. books and maths. Yeah. Um, so I am curious to hear a little bit about your background and, and how it is that you would describe what you do. Just a small question. So background's easy. I worked, I did English at uni and then did a master's at LSE, which was an interesting experience. And then I realised there was this whole industry where you could read books and publish books and I didn't really know about that. So I did some, I worked in publishing at a literary agency and then as an editor for eight, ten years, something like that. Um, Lived in London and then got to the point where I was kind of stuck with my career and couldn't publish the books that I wanted to publish. So I was kind of like, well, what's the point then if Mm. if I can't publish the books that I think are of value? Mm. And at the same time, big, big changes happened in my life and my sister died suddenly by suicide, mm. which is kind of the divining event of my life. And my mum also had cancer and was getting more ill. And I just got to a point where I was like, fuck this, like, what am I doing? Mm. If I'm not doing something that I enjoy, that brings me like some sort of joy or or satisfaction then what am I doing and I've been practicing yoga for a while not like a super long time kind of on and off and I started doing a teacher training just for myself and then as everyone does Mm -hmm. (laughs) started teaching enjoyed teaching but knew I didn't want to teach full time because I think some people can teach 20 hours a week, 20 Mm. classes, 30 classes, and don't seem to kind of find it that hard. Mm. But I can teach four, like that's my max. Mm. Um, And then I just, it just becomes too much. So I knew that I couldn't make a living and I wanted to do something more businessy. So I was like, I'm going to set up a studio. Mm -hmm. And I moved back to Oxford 
yeah, then that eventually happened and we've just moved to a new premises and um, yeah, finally made it through COVID, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Oh, here's hoping. <laughs> yeah. So that's like the brief history. The potted, potted yeah. history of Katie Gordon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, interesting. I think I really appreciate your honesty around like the teaching load because... Yeah. One of the things I often struggle with is sometimes when people want to do the training, they call me and they're like, I'm thinking about quitting my job. No, don't do it. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like oh, how do I tell you not to quit your job yeah, without yeah. like giving you career advice? Because that's also not my role. Mm. Um, because also I think, I, I do think that teaching yoga full time, you end up existing in this very quite narrow bubble of a world for sure um and one of the things that I really appreciate about my job is the is the business management aspect of it yeah it's really fun yeah Yeah. it's really satisfying and I think being able to like balance that with like the teaching elements I find really rewarding definitely I mean as long as you have an accountant because that's not my that's so not my my vibe um but yeah, I really enjoy the kind of behind the scenes stuff and the the people like working with people. Mm. I mean, I hesitate to say managing people because I don't really, but kind of working with colleagues. Mm. Um and yeah, teaching is like quite lonely, like you mm. say, quite insular. I think you can get really isolated in that world and you know, the yoga world is like very problematic in many <laughs> in many ways. <laughs> I think it's really good to have an outside mm. interest and work. I can't imagine just teaching. I don't think I would mm. be very healthy. No, I mean, I remember back to, I had a couple of years early in my teaching where I was teaching, you know, 20 classes a week for, you know, maybe two, two and a half years. Oh my God. Yeah. Mm. I think I just, I remember having a lot of like weird spaces of time on my hands because you would teach like a 6am or a 7am class and then you might teach lunchtime and then you might teach like a few classes in the evening. So you have these like weird chunks of your day where you're like not working, but you sort of are working. Yeah, you can't like go home and chill. Exactly. Mm. Um, And also this was in Australia and I just remember spending so much time in my car because I was, mm. like, driving to and from places and between studios constantly. Right. Um, so there was all of this sort of, like, dead time that got sucked up in my life where, in in theory, it was, it was great. Because, like, I taught a class in the morning and then I might not teach again until the evening. So you have a mm. whole day in the middle. Mm. But it's just sort of, like, absorbed into, like, travel and... Yeah procrastination and when you're teaching in the in the evening I don't know if you get this but I always like I can't properly relax in the day if I know I'm teaching in the evening it's like maybe like a slight anxiety or or something like that where Mm. you feel like you've got to be ready to go I know yeah I know it's like my brain switches into wait mode yeah and it can do nothing else except wait for the thing that is coming yeah so you can't get anything done anyway you're like it's like when you're about to go I don't know when you're like waiting to get on a flight or I get it sometimes if I'm like excited about going on a date with somebody it'll be like Mm. the hour before you're meant to leave and you're like I'm just gonna sit here and like 
stare out the window because I'm not capable of doing anything useful. Yeah, then. yeah, definitely. Mm. So what was your, I, th- I think one of the things that really stands out for me with the studio is that there's quite a specific, I guess, vision or energy or feel to what you've created. Mm. And I'm curious to hear sort of what you were trying to create. (laughs) Do you think you've succeeded in that? Like, you know. I think what I was trying to create is in some way in reaction to what I experienced and have seen in other studios. Mm -hmm. Um, And feeling out of place and, um, you know, like the the stereotypical thing about yoga studios is loads of white women in in lulus and and mm. not many other kinds of people, and they're not that welcoming. Like you walk in and it's like you're supposed to sort of magically know where to go and mm-hmm. what to do and how to behave. And I think I just wanted somewhere that was felt a bit more like you were going around a mate's house where there was a studio and like not that you know obviously in a professional way <laughs> but like you come in and you feel like um comfortable and I think personally I teach a lot of um beginners and a lot of um a lot of people who are coming back to yoga mm. um some people with mental health conditions or recovering from mental health conditions and I think I just wanted somewhere where you could go in and mm. be like, okay, I don't really know what I'm doing, mm. but I don't feel like I shouldn't be here. Mm. So that's the main driver, yeah. I guess. I get that. Yeah. I think you've done that. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, we have nice feedback. Yeah. Nothing's perfect, right? No. But like, yeah, I'm happy with how things are right now. Yeah. Yeah. I always think it's really funny what people decide to feedback on. Yeah, like, um, like you'll, oh, like whenever, whenever a student has a complaint about something, it's about something like you have no control over. What, like, I don't know. There was remember, a dog outside or something, yeah, something right. like that. Like, I remember when when we were in the um, when we we're in the basement underneath Sweaty Betty, where Project PT now have their you know mm-hmm. studio. There's a ventilation, like exhaust <laughs> okay that sounds nice and, um because you've got to like draw the air out oh, right, that's okay. in there yeah, yeah. otherwise there's no there's yeah, no circulation yeah. but it means that there's this big like metal tube that's i don't know maybe the diameter of like a dinner plate okay like in on the ceiling right so if you were my height and your mat was underneath this exhaust pipe yeah and you lifted your hands up you would like touch it okay and I remember a student once wrote a review that was like, there's this, pipe, there's this pipe in the way. Okay. And I was like, I can't. You can't move the pipe. I literally can't yeah. do anything about yeah, that. But yeah. you've decided to give us like one star on Google for this reason. Yeah, it's not about that though, is it? It's about something else, I know, isn't it? But, but like, um, that's what they've chosen. Yeah. And that's frustrating, isn't it? When I you're know. like, what about the class? I know. When I, Whenever I'm feeling bad about the world, I go and read Google reviews for like bad yoga studios. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like a terrible person about it, but I just find it so 
it like it really offers perspective. I think that's why I do it because yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm doing okay. We all do stuff like that, don't yeah. we? Like that we know like isn't nice or isn't particularly healthy necessarily. But I think it's also helpful mm. because you see what people are saying mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, why why do they think that? What's going on? Mm. What what happened to make them feel like this? Mm. Even if their complaint is like completely ridiculous. Yeah. There's still something happening. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, we've only been where we are now since September, but I can't, like, I don't think we've had any, like, complaints. Like, we've had well, stuff Well, because it's, it's a beautiful space. Well, yeah, we're very, like, it's very beautiful, yeah. But, like, I think the people who tend to come kind of know what, what they're getting. Mm. And I think it's quite different to what else there is to offer around this area. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, people tend to like it or, or not come back. Right. Mm. I I agree with you and I hear what you're saying. I think I like knock on all of the wood. Mm. I think one of the things that I really feel about my business is I tend not to attract dickheads. Mm. Totally. Yeah. Which I feel really lucky about. Yeah. But also I think part of the reason why I don't attra- attract dickheads is that I'm really clear about what my values are as a business. Yeah. And I think it's the same for you as well. Yeah. We're like, this is the space that we're in. This is what you can expect. You know, this is what's important to me, important to nourish. Yeah. So it like, because I'm super clear about that, it sort of filters out the yoga dickheads. Yeah, totally. And I think it's also really helpful because mm. people can read it and be like, no, I don't, that's not what I want. Yeah. And then they just go away and that's fine. That's <laughs> wonderful. The power of good good communication. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, so I think the other thing I'm curious to talk about or like hear about as well is you have a coaching business. I do. That runs yeah. like a sister business to the, yeah. the studio. Um and I think I would I would like to know what a coach does. Well, I kind of hate describing myself as a coach and, in fact, as a yoga teacher as well. Okay. Because what would you say then? I don't know. <laughs> I just feel like the idea of a life coach and the idea of a yoga teacher mm. are both, for what, for what I do, particularly coach, it has a very, like fluffy maybe like I don't know there's been some scandals about people taking money for like not doing anything useful Mm. in the nicest that's describing it nicely um and I think when I decided to like do the qualification Mm. it was really important to me that it was like science-based academic research-based um so it's so the qualification I did is in positive psychology mm-hmm. and coaching. So everything that I do in, in yoga and in coaching is like looking at the evidence of what helps people, what doesn't, why it does, and then using those tools mm-hmm. rather than like, like um, oh, I've done, I don't know, EFT and it really mm. helped me so I'm going to show everyone how to do EFT because it helped me so therefore it'll help everyone mm-hmm. which just isn't true of anything no it's really important to me that everything is done I mean it's a bit like like you say person-centered right mm. so like I would say that everything is very individual so one person who maybe some breath work would help 
the breathwork that will help them is completely different to what mm. will help someone else. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of, particularly on Instagram, like, do this and you will feel like mm. this, which just is just bullshit, basically. Oh, no, it's ludicrous. I mean, the whole, like, one-size-fits-all approach. Mm. I really try and tell my students, like, if you ever come across anything in the yoga space that's prescriptive, that's mm. like, if you do this, X will result. Right. Like, run in the other direction. Yeah, in any space, that's mm. not helpful. Like, in no. in school, in, in life, in therapy and any of that if someone's telling you this is what works for this Mm. then be ready to question it at least if not run away (laughs) (laughs) I think sometimes though it's quite it's quite hard to question it particularly like because people come to yoga spaces or they come to coaching spaces because they are vulnerable Mm. and they're seeking they're seeking support and like how do we I think one of the things that I'm often working with people to to think about is like how do we build in a I guess a culture and a process to our teaching that means that it's like a safe space for questioning from the go like it's not something that we have to like get people to opt into it's just there yeah Yeah, I think that's hard to do Mm. I think the problem with yoga as well is like there's not a lot of in most teacher trainings there's not a lot of talk talk about boundaries ethics Mm. you know scope of practice those kinds of things Mm. whereas certainly in the coaching training I did that that was a lot of Mm. that of like what you do when you do it how you do it what is appropriate and what isn't Mm -hmm. appropriate and I think people who come to these spaces I mean most yoga teachers right had something bad happen (laughs) and then they became a yoga teacher that's like the trajectory like, like Yoga saved my life, hashtag on Instagram, right. which I... Yeah, I mean... Loathe. Yeah. But I think, you know, vulnerable people come to yoga, they come to coaching, and, and sometimes people want to be told, you know, do this and it'll make you feel better, which mm. is totally understandable. Yeah. But, it, you know, it's the practitioner's responsibility to, like, put it back on them in the nicest possible way mm-hmm. of, like, let's experiment with some stuff and you'll come up with the solution. Yeah. I mean, that's very simplistic. But yeah, essentially, Mm. it's up to you. And as a teacher or as a coach, you're here to facilitate that. Yeah. Well, I really agree. I think often often what I see my job boiling down to a lot of the time is firstly asking the right questions Mm. of people. Yeah. To like so that they can then answer that for themselves. But also a lot of what I see, particularly with my trainees is a lot of them will come seeking permission okay so they're they're looking for permission to to teach yoga or you know which is why you would do a teacher training course (laughs) but you know even within within the course you know they'll be given assignments or they'll be given tasks to do and they're like is it okay if I do this and I'm like do you think it's okay if you do this yeah, but and they're like, yeah. And I'm like, well, that's fine then. But like, you don't need my approval or my permission. I think a lot of that is the school. And if you go through it, the university mm-hmm. system, isn't it? Is that you have to do things in a very exact mm. certain way. Like doing my references for my course, which was at the University of East London. Like it's mad that you get marks for how you arrange your references. Oh, yeah. In an, like, but that's yeah. so, I mean, it's not very inclusive, is it? Like, mm-hmm. and it just is, it just feels, 
when you look at it, you're like, that's completely ridiculous. It's nothing to do with the content or the ideas. I get that there's reasons for it, Mm. but it is also just ridiculous. Mm. Yeah, I mean, maybe a topic for another day, but the sort yeah. of like the the lack of inclusivity around like learning styles, mm. you know, I think is huge. For sure. It's yeah. huge. Yeah. Um, well, sort of related to what we've been talking about, okay. um, this season we have we have questions from our audience to tackle. Okay. Um, and today's question I picked especially for you because we've talked about this <laughs> before, which is um, one of our listeners has asked about tips for overcoming procrastination. Okay. So I guess my first question is, do you procrastinate? Oh, my God, yes, all the time. Okay. When do you find yourself procrastinating? Is it about particular things or...? It's usually something that I don't want to have to do. I mean, that's usually it, isn't yeah. it? Or if I'm overwhelmed, then I'll tend to, like, avoid it. Mm-hmm. But I, it's interesting that they've asked for overcoming procrastination because I don't think it's always a, a negative thing. Mm. And actually, quite often, it's a, it's a good thing. I find procrastination can really help me to get a new viewpoint on something that I'm doing mm-hmm. or a new idea... So if I go off and, I don't know, what's a common procrastination thing that I do? Probably go and make a coffee or watch clean. TV or clean. <laughs> Cleaning is one for me. Clean the studio. Yeah. yeah. Um, then I can come, sometimes it doesn't work, and I, but sometimes I come back and I get the thing done. Mm. Um, and I think there's, like, room for... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I couldn't control it. I'm hungry. I should have bought you a snack. Yeah, I've got lunch in my bag. (laughs) Can we leave that in, please? We can leave it in. (laughs) Um, I forgot what I was saying now. Uh, Procrastination. I think for me, I tend to procrastinate about specific categories of tasks I'm not generally a mm. procrastinator but there are things that you have that I have to do that I procrastinate like on so money stuff yeah totally yeah because like for somebody that runs my own business I'm still quite terrified about money I hate it yeah it's gross <laughs> can't wait for the end of capitalism <laughs> <laughs> um but uh yeah so anything to do with money it's interesting because like not often from a business perspective but like my money personal money Mm. I often get a bit like procrastinating about um the other thing is anything where I have to interact with the government (laughs) okay well that's understandable yeah because it terrifies me yeah um but yeah I think when I find myself procrastinating around work like projects I've tried to reframe that in my mind as like marination time Totally, yeah. I'm like, oh, this thing just isn't ready Mm. to happen yet. Mm. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to force it. Because, like, maybe there are moments where you you have to sit down and, like, white-knuckle it a little bit. But often I think, I don't know, like, for me, joy is such an important experience. And, like, if I'm not feeling joyful about the work that I'm doing, that I'm not particularly interested in doing it. And that's a very Mm. privileged thing for me to say because I, like, love my job. Yeah. But I'm not sure I feel joy about doing social media and writing invoices. But, but yeah, yeah. generally speaking, I agree. Um, But I think taking a walk or taking a break from it, like, Mm. can really help. Yeah. 
like it's not it's not something that you need to like stop and just focus. Mm-mm. But I do make lists. I make a lot of lists. I do love a list. Yeah. Yeah. So like top three tasks got to do today. Yeah. And then like non-urgent. Mm. I try and be like, what's the what's the word for opposite of ambitious? Modest. <laughs> Modest <laughs> in what I want to achieve for the day. Mm. Yeah. So that I'm like pleased yeah I think that's a really good approach yeah Yeah. I think the other thing I find is often when I procrastinate it's because I feel like you said overwhelmed by the task at hand like it feels too big so um one of my favorite phrases is like how do you need how do you eat an elephant okay and it's like how do you eat (laughs) like not all at once yeah um so like if I have an elephant task and I'm like whoa Mm. that's a big elephant then what I do is break it down into other smaller tasks first like the feet like the feet yeah. okay. the trunk <laughs> right uh the ears um so yeah so so then it feels more manageable and I'm less likely to procrastinate because even if I don't yeah. feel like I have the capacity to do all of it okay. I can do a little bit there's another animal themed um thing around that that's like swallow the biggest frog first. Have you heard that one? No. It's like if you think of your task like I can't remember I'm gonna describe this badly, but if you think of your task like frogs, yeah. Like <laughs> you swallow the the biggest frog. I think it's trying to say like do the worst thing first. Okay. So the thing you really don't want to do, yeah. do that first. Okay. And then everything else is kind of a bit like yeah. once you've had a really big frog a small frog is no big deal like, yeah it's all about perspective do you ever write things on your to-do list that you've already done just to cross them out no do you do that that's like, cheating <laughs> i think lots of people do that matt is nodding the producer <laughs> <laughs> i think like if it's like a to-do list at the start of the day because maybe maybe it takes mm-hmm. me a little while to be ready to write my list so i've already done a few things Okay. And then I write the list and I'm like, oh, yeah, I've already done that. I don't know. I feel I have a three and a half year old, mm. as you know. So my days are like very bookended by child. Okay. So like the time that I have to work is quite limited in some ways. So I feel like by the time I get to work, often I feel like I've done a day's work. Yeah. Gotcha. If you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I see so what I mean. quite often get to the studio and sit and have like a coffee yeah so i think writing stuff i've already done would be like fed breakfast <laughs> a child yeah like argued with child about walking to nursery <laughs> like that sort of thing yeah okay i see what you mean um well maybe maybe our listeners can let us know do you write things on your to-do list yeah. that you've already done just to cross it off maybe i'll start doing that does it make you feel good? Just feel like the dopamine hit. Okay. Try it out. I'll try it. Let us know. Um, well, Katie, thank you so much for joining me today. Before we leave, where can where can our listeners find you? Uh, online, I'm at everybodystudio.co.uk. Helm Collective is my coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, in real life, I'm at the studio on Morden Road in Oxford most days. Mm. Um, yeah. Wonderful. Excellent. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to In Our Experience. 
Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review the podcast. We love hearing what you think and it makes a really big difference. In the meantime, until the next episode comes out, why not check us out on our Instagram account at Nourish Yoga Training or pop us an email via our website. See you soon.